And it is my distinct privilege uh, to introduce my wife, Pastor Brenda, to come and minister the word here in a moment. But she is the greatest blessing in my life. Praise God. She is a blessing. You know, she she's affectionately known by our granddaughter of three years old as Grammy. And uh, last night. Uh, we got a phone call quite late, actually, for a Saturday night at 9.45. And uh, it was Olivia, our granddaughter. And uh, she was laying on the bed with her mom, Lindy, and she hadn't been feeling good, kind of having a cold. And she says, call Grammy right away. Right now. Call Grammy right now. And so she called and she told Grammy what was going on. And so Grammy and Papa prayed for her. She's a joy and she's a delight. As you know, as you have grandchildren, they're a blessing of the Lord. She's also the mother of my two sons, the sons of thunder, John and James. And uh, they're a blessing. You know, John is, is serving as an assistant pastor in Orange County. Lindy serves as a controller down at Mariner's uh, Church in Irvine in accounting. They're just very, very, very used of God. And then our son James and his wife Esther in Branson serve as as youth ministry in uh, Faith Life Church in Branson. So, you know, Mom, you did some good things. You did some great things. Amen. And uh, so we are definitely proud of our two boys and all that they're doing. And then she's my wife of 35 years, July 22nd. 1977, we were married. What a blessing. What a blessing. And you know, that's all Brenda and I know is we know ministry. We've been in full-time ministry since the day we were married for 35 years. And uh, so if you would kindly just stand to your feet. And I want us to honor the first lady of this church, our pa- one of our pastors. Okay. Come on, mom. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's give her a hand as she comes. Praise the Lord. Let me see you. Love you. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Am I on? It is a joy. Yeah, I'm on. I think. I think. Yes. It's a joy and an honor to be able to. To serve the Lord with joy and gladness and to be able to be pastors of such an awesome, beautiful group of people. And of course, today is Mother's Day. And as Pastor already has, we want to honor our mothers. So I want to start out by showing you a little video clip, some humorous things. I know that many mothers in here, you're in all different stages and phases of life. Some of you have little kids. Some of you have grown kids. Like Pastor said, we're in the grandparent stage. So as you're seated, let's go ahead and watch this video about motherhood. To our mothers around the world, on behalf of children everywhere, thanks for putting up with us. No, really, thanks. Remember when we launched all the wet paper towels on the bathroom ceiling? Sorry about that. Or when I built the silly putty pig on the antique coffee table? That left a mark. Or when I brought home the family of fish to live in the sink? That wasn't good. 
Or the time I put the pastries in the microwave with the packaging? Oops. Or the time I came home smelling like smoke and told you we were at a bonfire? It wasn't a bonfire. Or who could forget the science project that erupted on the carpet? That was messy. Or when I practiced the ABCs on the bedroom wall? Look at me now. Or when Sally Jenkins broke my heart on Valentine's Day in seventh grade. And you told me that I'd find my princess someday. I found her, and she loves you too. Well, it took a lot of ibuprofen to get through it. Your actions have taught us a lot about unconditional love, mercy, and grace. And for that, we're grateful. You're beautiful, inside and out. Thanks for everything. Really, we mean it. Love. Your mischievous kids around the world. The funniest things kids sometimes do, the strangest things. I heard years ago this phrase or this statement that uh, motherhood is full of challenges and frustrations, but eventually they move out. (laughs) So like I said, you might be at that stage that we're out at. Our children are grown and they did move out. And we're so thankful that John and Lindy have given us Olivia, a three-year-old grandchild. And uh, I wanted to say something else about her. Around Easter time, they were doing some sort of an outreach in a park down there. And I think she probably heard this from her dad. But the week after Easter, they went to a, a little park by their house. And she crawled up on a picnic table. And she began to declare real emphatically... People of the world, Jesus is alive and he loves us all. And they sent us the little video of it. And I'm thinking, well, she may have heard her dad say that, but she definitely said it with her Grammy's passion. So, <laughs> I mean, she was moving her arms and everything. So it's great to be a mom. And I think it's greater to be a grandparent. That's why they call it grand. And you know, men and women, we influence and we impact our children and our grandchildren, no matter what age that they are. And it requires the wisdom of God to be a good, godly parent in this day and in this hour. I just heard this this week, and I don't remember who I heard it from, but I liked it. I'm looking at a lot of wise women in the house this morning. Did you know that in the Bible, wisdom is always referred to as she? And then the Bible also says, a fool has said in his heart. So, that's all we'll say about that, okay? (laughs) We're not here to, to bash our husbands or the father of our children. Thank God for them, but I just thought that was kind of cute. Anyway, as pastor also said, we are in a series this month, been emphasizing being filled with the Holy Spirit, receiving heaven's help, our heavenly helper into our lives. So today, if I had a title of my message, it would be making room for the supernatural. 
Yesterday, we had a great time at our women's brunch. I'm thankful for all the ladies that were there, but I also want to publicly say thank you to our staff and all of the volunteers that came and set up and cleaned up and helped make that such a special time for our ladies. And yesterday, we talked about a woman in the Bible known as the Shunammite woman. And we're going to start there today, go a completely different direction. But in 2 Kings chapter 4, the Bible tells us about this woman who lived in a place called Shuna. And she lived, obviously, with her husband. And there was a man of God that passed by her home on a regular basis. We'll just look at a few of these scriptures. So we'll look over in 2 Kings chapter 4. And verse 8, I'll be reading most of these passages out of the New King James Version. They'll have it up on the screen. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunan and where there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as oft as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. I like how the Bible says this was a notable woman. In the Amplified Version, it says she was a woman of influence. Ladies, I want you to know, and men as well, that people take note when you are a person of character, when you are an honorable person, when you are diligent on your job, when you are full of the wisdom of God and the kindness, you have the fruit of the Spirit evident in your life. People in your life, your family, your friends, and people in the community, they know when a person is full of integrity and that stems from people knowing Jesus. It is a good thing to show forth the character of the Lord. Obviously this woman was not born again, but she knew God and she knew that this man passing by her house was a prophet of God. And the Bible says that it was just one day in her life that this man of God passed by and she noticed that maybe he looked hungry. I don't know what she noticed, but she noticed that she needed to make a difference in his life. And it wasn't some strange day. It wasn't some woo-woo kind of day where it was a high feast day. It was a great celebration day. It was an extraordinary day. The Bible just says it was a regular day that she followed those promptings in her heart to feed the man of God. It's a major misconception in the body of Christ that some people get this idea for supernatural occurrences to happen in our lives, we got to be on some weird spiritual plane. We got to fast and pray for 40 days and 40 nights. We got to lock ourselves away and, and get in this spiritual state of, um, you know, tune everything else. No. For supernatural occurrences to happen in our life, all that is required is that we love God. That we take time to listen to him. That we hear and we obey those promptings on the inside of us. That we make a decision that we are going to be a blessing. 
That's what this woman did on this particular day. She just followed that prompting to feed the man of God. This has nothing to do with her, her life. But when I read that, I'm always reminded of Pastor Mark and I's story of how we met at Ramah in 1976, in August of 1976. I moved into an apartment right across from Ramah. I moved in the upstairs. He moved in the downstairs. And the lady, the manager of the apartment said, you might want to check on that young man that moved in downstairs. He's going to go to Ramah too. But I couldn't help notice that he didn't have a car. He didn't move in any furniture. He only moved in a few boxes. You might want to see if he's okay. So I still remember that August day in 1976 when I knocked on the door and as they say, the rest is history. But you know what happened? One of the first things that happened in our relationship, almost from day one, I met him and then I was going back home to my dad's farm, came back that, you know, in the summertime, you got a lot of good produce, came back, loaded down with all of this good stuff and started cooking. I fried up some okra, chicken fried steak, black eyed peas, all these good Southern things and said to him, do you want to come and eat? Well, he was from Minnesota and I'm sorry if you're from the North, but Yankees don't know how to eat. So I had to introduce the man of God to real food. And apparently that scripture, a way to a man's heart is through his stomach, took hold in our relationship. And if you know the Bible, you know that's not really a verse. But nonetheless, it worked in our relationship because here we are 35 years later. But anyway, this woman just prompted in her heart. I'm sure she must have had the gift of hospitality. And you know, it's a good thing to be nice to people. There are people in the body of Christ that that is really their gift. That's their spiritual gift is to be hospitable. We got people in this church that they make meals for those that are just getting out of the hospital or, or going through a difficult time. That's a wonderful way to show the love of God. So that's what she did that day. And anyhow, let's read on down here in verse 9. So after she had fed him in verse 9, and so she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put in there a bed for him and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he will turn in there. The spiritual significance of this story is this. This prophet was her connection to the supernatural power of God. She wasn't born again. Jesus hadn't died and been risen from the dead. But she knew that this man of God knew God and knew how to get in touch with him and knew how to bring the power of God into her life. So what was she doing? She made room for the supernatural. 
And as a result of her doing this, the day came when Elisha said to his servant Gehazi, go and bring this woman to me. And he, she came in and he's like thanking her for her kindness and saying, I want to do something in return for all that you have done for me. And this woman, she said to him, I don't have any needs. Basically, I dwell among my people. I'm I'm okay." But after she left, Gehazi said to Elisha, this woman does not have a child. And so he pulled her back in and he said, God is going to give you a child. And she said, my husband is old. You know, sometimes when God gives us a promise, we react with the circumstance. We react with, yeah, but did you know, did you notice How old my husband is. Have you noticed? Nothing's going on in the bedroom tonight. You know what I mean? The picture was pretty clear. But the prophet, just like God, he's like, don't give me excuses. Don't tell me about all the stuff that you got to deal with. Don't tell me about all the havoc that might be going on in your life and in your home. You just keep your eyes upon me. I'm bigger and I'm greater than any circumstance that may be facing you right now. What was he saying? Woman, the supernatural power is greater than any limitation in your body or your husband's body. Hallelujah. She made room for the supernatural. And as a result, She received her blessing of the Lord. She did conceive and had a son. She got the exceedingly abundantly above in her life. You know what? You and I today, we don't have to literally make a room. We don't want you to build a room under your house and say, Pastor Mark needs to come and stay over here. No. We don't have to do it in the natural, but we have to make room in our heart. We have to make room, first of all, by asking Jesus to come and live on the inside of us. We have to make room by saying, Lord, I receive all that you have for me, all that you want to do in my life. Any area that you want to bless me in, I will make room for you. Has anyone ever had somebody, maybe a relative or someone that was going to come and move into your house? And hopefully it wasn't your mother-in-law coming to live forever and you were freaked out. No, mother-in-laws are great. I had a great (laughs) mother-in-law. You know, not a relative you didn't want to be there, but somebody good coming to move in. And so as they get ready to come and move in, you know what? Oftentimes we have to do, we got to get rid of some junk. We got to rearrange some things to make room for this person that's coming to move in. Pastor Mark and I have lived in the same house for 28 years. And now recently we began to to do some painting. We're going to have some new carpet and all of this stuff. And so in the process, 
it's a good idea to get rid of some clutter because if you don't, you got to move it all around. So you might as well throw some junk away. And just in my little office, the other day, this week, I started looking at all this stuff I had on the bookshelves, all this stuff I had piled on my desk. And I'm not really a messy person or a slob, but you know what? Junk collects. I had this stack on my desk. If I didn't know what to do with something, I'd just throw it over in the stack. And it's been higher and higher and higher. In that stack, I had some cassette tapes. Can you believe it? How many years has it been since I listened to a cassette? CDs from way back here. Where? And all this stuff. And I began to think, man, you got to get rid of some junk. You got to get rid of this stuff if you want somebody to be able to come in here and paint the walls and find the walls. You need to clear out some clutter. Well, it's the same in the realm of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to move in our lives. He wants to come in, first of all, in the new birth. And then he wants to come in in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and take charge of every area of our life. But oftentimes, when he's knocking on our door and saying, Hey, I want to come into this area of your life. I want to get rid of some things. You're saying, Oh, no. Now, wait a minute. You can't have that couch. We can't move that chair. That chair is where I've gone for years and sat and worried. That's my worry chair. That chair was passed down to me from my grandmother. My grandmother was a world champion worrier and my mother was a worrier. Don't mess with that chair. And don't touch that couch. That couch is where I go and lay and get full of anxiety and fear. I'm comfortable there. You can't have that. But then we begin to get a glimpse of our heavenly helper. And he begins to say to us, you know what? In exchange for that worry, I can give you the peace of God that passes all understanding. In exchange for that bed where you go and you're full of weakness and distress, I can give you the joy of the Lord. And then when we begin to get that insight of what the Holy Spirit is offering us, we should have the attitude, go ahead, take the chair, take the couch, take the end table, take the bed, take it all. I'm going to make room for the new, the fresh, the good. My God, I'm going to let him come in to every area of my life. How many of you are willing? today to get rid of some clutter, to get rid of some things that are weighing you down as a parent, to get rid of worry. You know, it's the worst thing to try to parent when you're full of fear. And you're full of worry and you're anxious every day. What your kid's going to do or what kind of trouble they're going to get in. We don't have to live like that. We have a helper. We have one who is called to give us what we need. But it's our responsibility to make room for the supernatural. The word supernatural literally means this. Pertaining to an order of existence beyond this natural world. Beyond the natural. Anybody want to get out of living in this realm, 
always limited to what we know in our mind. Always depending upon our natural ability. Not just in parenting, but in all the affairs of life. How would you like to have the divine? How would you like to have intervention? That's beyond the natural. That's out of this world. Well, we have it. Help is on the way. Help is available. You know, before Jesus physically left this earth, he began to teach and to instruct his disciples on what it was going to be like to have the Holy Spirit come and abide and live on the inside of them. This was a difficult thing for them to grasp with their mind. They had been used to Jesus physically there, right beside them. If they wanted to ask him a question, if they wanted to talk to him, he'd been right there. And in the book of John, he starts telling them that he is going to go. He's going to depart and go to be with the father. He's going to return to heaven. And I'm sure in that day that they were tempted to be a bit full of anxiety. Pastor's been reading this scripture. I guess it could be our, our theme scripture for this emphasis on the Holy Spirit. But let's look at it again today in John chapter 14, verse 16 through 17 in the Amplified. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. It's written in red in your Bible, most likely. We'll read it out of the Amplified. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another. And I want you to say these words with me. It's up on the screen. What's he going to give us, Jesus? He's going to give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and stand by that he may remain with you till next Tuesday. He may remain with you until you run into a hard place. No, he may remain with you. How long? I didn't hear that. How long? Aren't you thankful for that? He is going to remain with us forever. He comes to live with us constantly. He takes up his permanent resident on the inside of us. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they don't come for a visit. They come to abide with us, to be our constant companion, to be our constant enabler, our constant source of strength and ability. What did this verse say? That the Holy Spirit was going to be our counselor. Is there anyone in here you've ever been in a situation and you didn't know what to do? Maybe a major decision was facing you and you're like, I don't know what to do. Well, guess what? You have a counselor on the inside of you. Jesus was emphasizing to them in that moment when they felt alone. I'm sure that some of them were thinking, probably Peter, one of those guys, was thinking, what? 
You're going to abandon us? You're going to go to heaven? To that beautiful place? And we ought to stay down here in this crummy world? How dare you? You're abandoning us. You're leaving us. We're going to be alone. They had the same thoughts that all of us at one time or another have been tempted to have. Have you ever felt helpless? Have you ever felt hopeless? Have you ever felt alone? I know we have some single moms in here. And I know that there's got to be days when you're like, Oh, I wish I had someone to help me. I need a break. I need encouragement. I need some wisdom. I need help. But I'm alone. I'm raising these kids all by myself. I want to tell you from the heart of the Father today, you are not alone. You are not abandoned. Certainly, there may be a man that has abandoned you and your family, or perhaps you're a single dad. In this society, we're seeing that happen more and more. But you are not without help. You are not Abandoned. Jesus wanted to make sure that the disciples understood. Even though I'm physically not going to be here. I'm going to send one to live on the inside of you. Who will be there constantly. Who will take up permanent residence in your life. And you can call on him in your midnight hour. You can call on him regardless of what you may be facing in your life. I want to testify today of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. I want to tell you, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost since I was 11 years old. That means 46 years, coming up on 47 years this August. That's a long time. But in that time of being filled with the Holy Spirit and being born again, I can tell you, He's been there. He's brought me what I needed when I faced dark and difficult times. When I was 21 years old, my mother died. My godly mom who loved the Lord with all of her heart. And I didn't understand why this happened and what was going on. But I can assure you that as I laid on my bed and began to cry out to God, there was a comfort. There was a peace. That passes understanding is a person of the Holy Spirit doing what Jesus said he would do, bringing me comfort. And I was in the midst of making a decision. I'd already been making plans to go to Rainbow Bible Training Center. And I began to question that decision. I had been living in Tulsa and I'd moved home and I was helping my dad. My two brothers were still living there, 14 and 17 years old. My other sisters were married and I felt sort of responsible that I should stay there and help him with my brothers. And then the other thing was this school that we were going to be, I was going to be going to had a strong message of faith and standing on the word of God and believing for healing and having this horrible experience when you're 21 years old. I begin to think maybe I shouldn't go there. 
Maybe I should change my plans and go back to this other Bible school that I'd already attended for a year. They were good people, but that emphasis wasn't there. But I remember the day, again, laying on my bed, crying out to God. And it was like the Holy Spirit came on me. You know, the Bible says, we just read it. He's our counselor. He's our strengthener. He is our helper. And I heard like it was so strong on the inside of me, the counsel of the Holy Spirit that said, you go to Ramah and you go this year. I was considering maybe waiting and going a year, but it was strong and I had to press through my questions and press through my grief to follow my counselor. You have an intercessor. You have a counselor. We have wisdom from above. It's not the wisdom of this world. There were people that were telling me, why don't you wait a year? Why don't you stay here? Your dad needs you. Your brothers need you. But I had to follow the counsel of the Holy Spirit. And I'm so thankful for my father, my natural father, who said, honey, the call of God is on your life. You go this year and I'll pay your tuition. He knew the Holy Spirit like I knew the Holy Spirit. And he had that witness that I needed to go that year. I told you in the beginning how, how Pastor Mark and I met. Rainbow was only one year at that time. And if I had waited and gone the next year, I would have missed my divine appointment. My destiny was there. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit knows things. Your spirit knows things that your head does not No, he will strengthen you. He has strengthened me to be married to Pastor Mark for 35 years. What a helper. (laughs) And through the help of the Holy Spirit and the help of his wife, he turned out to be all right. (laughs) And the wisdom The counsel, he has given us the wisdom to raise two boys. And to God be the glory, they're both serving Jesus with all of their heart. But you know, it wasn't always that way. And sometimes, not sometimes, always, have any of you parents figured out that no two kids are alike? John, our oldest son, I mean, he really did not give us a lot of challenges other than the regular little boy stuff, you know, getting, playing sports, getting injured all the time, all that kind of stuff, wrecked my car, that kind of boy stuff. And with disciplining him, I couldn't just look at him and say, John, don't do that again. He'd just look at me like, what are you talking about? So don't take this wrong. We had to whoop the boy. You know what I mean? We had to apply the Board of Education to his seat of learning for him to get the point. James was completely different. He was a lot more sensitive, sweet little guy. You could just tell him and he would just kind of melt and, you know, make the adjustment. But as they grew, you would think John would have been the hellion, but it turned out that James was the one. I think because 
of that sensitivity, he got pulled off, you know, and influenced of the enemy. And so we had to have the wisdom of God on how to deal with that situation. And thank God he gave it to us. It was a process. It was a lot of praying and seeking the Lord. But thank the Lord for the turnaround. The fruit of our labor is there now. They're both serving the Lord. Hallelujah. So moms, dads, be encouraged. You have help. You are not alone. If you're seeking maybe a new career or you're seeking a job, their finances are are in a mess. There is a helper who will guide you and direct you, who will bring the right connections to you, who will cause the favor of God to come on all of your ways. If you will make room for him. The problem is we try to do it in our own might and in our own ability. We make all of these plans and then once in a while we'll throw up a prayer and say, oh God, bless this plan. When he's saying, look, if you'd ask me in the first place, I'd tell you what the plan is. And it's already blessed if we follow after him. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. He wants to order. He wants to direct our steps because he's got good things in store for us. The steps are ordered of the Lord. We have a guide. We have someone who will show us what we need to do and how to deal in all of the affairs of life. Jesus was instructing his disciples. This was before he ever died. And after he had been crucified, raised from the dead, he had one last appearance to his disciples. They were gathered together. He'd already gone to the Father. He shows up in their midst. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he gives them some instructions. And this is what he told them. But you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might. When is this going to happen, Jesus? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And when that happens, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria and unto the ends of the earth. He's letting them know one last instruction. Then he goes on and he tells them to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. And that outpouring that he was telling them to wait for happened in Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And you know what happened when that supernatural endowment and empowerment came upon them. They were changed into other people. God so showed up and so showed himself strong in their lives. That they got out of that natural and they stepped into the supernatural enablement of the Holy Spirit. 
And that same enablement is available to us today. I got a question for you. Are there any candidates in the house today? Is there any area of your life that you've been holding on to? And you've been saying, like some little kids say, I do it myself. God, I need you over here, but I can handle this all by myself. I do it myself. The Spirit of God is saying today, you know, I'll let you do it yourself if you want to. But why? Why don't you let me help you? It'll be so much easier if you'll receive my ability and my might. Standing up here today is by the ability and the might and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I'm a little country girl. I grew up on a farm in rural Oklahoma. Really never thought I would end up living in the Bay Area and standing here preaching to hundreds of people. I can't do that because of my cute little personality. I might be able to get up here and give you a good little talk, but I don't want to give you a good little talk. I want the anointing of God to speak to hearts. And I don't want people to walk away and say, oh, she must have on that new dress that Pastor Mark bought her last week. Or she did this or she did that. I want people to remember what the Spirit of God said to your heart as the Word went forth. And every time I never get in the pulpit and just assume, oh, I can do that. I've been doing this for 35 years. I don't need to pray. I don't need to ask God to help me. I don't need the anointing. Every time it's a humbling experience. Every time I say, Lord, I can't. And I refuse to do this in my own ability. I cannot anoint myself. And I'm asking you for that help from heaven, for the anointing on high. One of my favorite scriptures is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do this. I can walk in the call that he has placed on my life because I know I'm infused with strength from on high. And it may, you may not be up in the pulpit, but whatever you do in your everyday life, do it in God. Do it in his strength, in his might. It'll make all the difference. Heaven's help is available in our lives. Heaven's help in your family. Heaven's help on your job. Heaven's help to find the right job. Question. Are you ready today to make room for Jesus, to make room for the supernatural?